The first three chapters, the glorious fact that believers in Christ have been showered with God's kindness, chosen for greatness, marked by the Holy Spirit, filled with the Holy Spirit's power, freed from sin's curse and bondage, and brought near to God, all because of Jesus. I summed up them first three chapters in that little thing right there because of God's kindness. And I, wanna, I just want to touch and hopefully recall our memories um, because we are chosen people for greatness. We are marked by the Holy Spirit and filled with the Holy Spirit if we know Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior. We are freed from sin because of Jesus Christ. And I believe that when Paul spent these first three books on, or three, first three books, sorry, the first three chapters of Ephesians on this is because until we really grasp that, we struggle. Until we grasp that we are here for a purpose, and the Holy Spirit's power in us can free us from sin and bondage. We cannot move on to walk with our Lord and Savior in freedom. The next three chapters, we should walk together in unity using our spiritual gifts, call to the highest moral standards, rejecting heathen practices, then walk in love and submission. And so I believe when Paul states here, he says, finally, he's saying all this stuff, them two, um, the two opposites, not opposites there, but the fact that you were given all these things because of what Christ did. And then now he's asking us, he said, let's walk in unity. Let's walk together. Let's, let's uh, resist these heathen practices and walk in love as we walk this road of what Christ has laid out for us. So, we first come to what God has done, and now we've looked at what we can do to walk daily in righteousness with our Lord and Savior. I, I find it so interesting, and, and that's why I jumped back to that, that place, because it felt to me like I needed to touch on that before we move on to this last chapter, or this last section, where he goes into and he says, you will wrestle with principalities and powers. The devil is real. He is there and he is going to tempt you. But here's how we can stand. And he gives us the whole armor. And then in the last there he talks about prayer. But the word finally is everything he previously said. And here I got this from. And today I wanted to mention uh, Enduring Word is uh, one of my commentaries that I've studied. So some of this stuff comes from, from there and different uh, from that on, as we look at the armor today, some of this, I, uh, that was where I did my research on exactly the Roman soldiers and different things. But enduring word, one of the things is that we wrote out here on finally, in light of all that God has done for you, in light of the glorious standing you have as a child of God, in light of his great plan of the ages that God has made you part of, in light of the plan for Christian maturity and growth he gives to you, in light of the conduct, God calls every believer to live. In light of the filling of the Spirit and our walk in the Spirit. In light of all this, there is a battle to fight in the Christian life. And I thought that was so intriguing to me because he goes through, he says, in light of everything and the fact that maturity and growth he gives you, 
there is still a battle to fight, and that's what we want to take on today. I think sometimes uh, people get complacent, and we, we look at life and we say, uh, God has done so much, it should be easy. But I do believe, and I'm really intrigued by this, because he goes, he goes from saying all this, and he says, be strong in the Lord and the power's might. So it's God's power, and then he says, be- beware, because there is a devil out there trying to trip you. So he kind of says, here's the power, here's everything you need, but be careful. And he follows that one directly up with the armor of God. And, and uh, that's what I'd like to, to get into today. I'm going to read uh, verse 13 and 14 and 15. We'll see how far we get. We'll keep going as, we, as the day pr- permits, I guess, or as the clock permits. Actually, I see I'm blessed. I got an extra hour today, so we should be in good shape. <laughs> therefore, take the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. I don't want to cut anything off, but I do want to dwell on them three verses for a little bit. And and there in verse 13, he says that you may be able to stand in the evil day. Paul wrote this book of Ephesians while he was in custody in a Roman prison. So as he gets into the battle, and and he had to just probably look sideways in a sense. I don't know what the guards exact wore. but, But what they were wearing, he compares this armor for today. But before he does any of that, and so he could probably just take a peek at the guys that were guarding him and say, oh, there's the armor. We can make an analogy with this. But I want to pick out one thing before we go into that, and that that is if we're going to be able to stand in the evil day, having done all to stand. And the reason I picked that out is this very reason. When a soldier was getting ready to go to arm or to fight, and this is what Paul's bringing these analogies in, they got prepared to go. If we are going to fight a victorious spiritual life, I'm not talking about fighting physically, but spiritually then we must be prepared for what's ahead of us. I do believe sometimes, and maybe this is just for me, but as people, we don't do enough preparing ourselves spiritually. We've just talked about it, what God has done, what God has asked us to do, and then he says, here's here's what you're faced Take the whole armor of God that you be able to stand in the evil day and having done all to stand. So how do we stand? And this is what I'd like to think about a little bit as we, as we look at the armor of God that God has given us is we prepare in almost all areas of our life. We prepare financially as to where we want to be in years to come. We prepare our work schedule. We prepare our homes. We prepare for our futures. But what do we do spiritually to prepare our hearts for what we actually have to face? And when I say prepare, I want to give a couple examples. So 
obviously know I'm a farmer. So if I got the planter all ready to go, and spring is coming, we think. No, it is. We're pretty sure. And I got everything ready to go to the field, and I filled everything up. And I got out in the field, and I was just ready to start. And I took off planting, and I realized that the monitor goes beep, 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 because there's no seed in the planter. Now, now, I could say I prepared some, partly. So then I would sit down and say, well, I have no seed in the shop either. And I have no seed anywhere. I better call somebody to order some seed corn. You would say, what a foolish thing to do. You, you prepared a little bit, but you never looked at the whole package. What good does it do? I can drive back and forth. I can make the straightest rows ever. I can set the GPS if that's what I want to do. I can make it look like for about two weeks that I've done everything possible to prepare. But I did not prepare. Because I had nothing in the planner. We say, well, that would be absolute foolishness. And you're exactly right. So what if every day when Ellis came to work at the shop, he just walked into work and he looked at Shane because Shane does the work orders. And he said, well, what's up for me today? And Shane said, well, I don't know. And he said, well, I'm here to work. He said, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, somebody called me the other day and said they might need our car fixed. Let me call them and see if they can bring it in yet today. I'll say, oh, okay, all right. All right, well, pretty soon, you know, 10 o'clock comes. Well, let me call somebody else. I'll just start calling random people, see if somebody needs their car fixed. How prosperous would the shop be? Absolute failure. They would get nothing done, just like my seed corn. I would get nothing done. I could even call somebody and they could say, well, uh, yeah, we got three bags here. You can plant eight acres and then you're done because that's all I got. See, if we do not prepare, but we do prepare, let me back, we do prepare for what we are doing in life. If we are going to go, you name, you name it, whether it's work, whether it's pleasure, if we're going to go play basketball, we take a basketball along. Maybe you could be 100% if you just shot an imaginary one. I don't know. If we're going to go hunting, we take a gun along or a bow or something along. We don't go hunting and sit in the stand and then say, well, the deer walked by, but it didn't die. I don't get it. Because we go prepared. Because we purpose in our heart before we go to take what it takes to actually accomplish what we want to accomplish. But sometimes I fear spiritually when Paul says that you may be able to withstand in the evil done, having done all to stand, we have not prepared ourselves properly to stand. We have not put on, as we'll look at here, the whole armor of God. We have not came to the point where we know God's word. And then spiritually speaking... We come back and we go, well, God, why, why am I struggling here? Why, have I, why am I just aimlessly wandering around? Why can't I get over this? Why can't I deal with this? Why, 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 why? And I think sometimes God ought to just tap us on the shoulder and say, how did you prepare? What did you purpose in your heart? If you want to tell somebody about Jesus Christ, do you just wake up in the morning and say, well, I'm going to make all the money I possibly can make today. I'm going to see how much I can get done. And I'm just going to go out with a mean, mad purpose. And we're going to see what we can do. Or do we have to sit down and say, today, I am going to bring up the Lord Jesus Christ to somebody in this next week. 
I'm going to prepare my heart for every conversation for somewhere, maybe not every conversation, but somewhere in the next week, my conversations, I can bring them up to Jesus Christ. I can bring it back to Jesus Christ and what he's done for me. We live in a time right now, folks, that is not that hard to do, to be honest with you. I have uh, something I have been working on, and you hear a lot of people frustrated with the world, with who, who knows what. Just willing and able to, to share their views on all kinds of stuff. And think, some think the world's coming to an immediate crashing awfulness, and the next thing it's great. I have discovered that through that process, it is fairly easy to tell them, that that is all, I don't disagree with you. I'm not going to sit here and argue over politics or anything else. But I serve a God that's bigger than all that. I have nothing to fear. My God is bigger than this world crashing. So you know what? I don't disagree with you and I'm not going to argue with you. But I am here to tell you I can walk in peace every single day because of my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. You don't have to preach at them. You don't have to chew them out. You don't have to tell them they're wrong. But I believe that we can prepare ourselves for them con conversations that we come in contact with. But have we prepared before we went into them? I have found for me personally, if I don't prepare myself, if I don't, if I don't purpose in my heart to change something, then I will hit nothing at all every single time. The conversation will come and it will go and I have done nothing or said nothing for Jesus Christ. I hope you guys are different than me, but that is where I have found in my own heart. Unless I prepare myself for what am I am struggling with, to change that, I don't change. I don't change. I continue to just aimlessly wander, you might say, and ask the same questions over and over. I'm going to move on into verse 14, but before I, before I do, I would like us to think, and I came across this, this story by Rick Cardell, as an illustration, because we are going to study the armor of God that God has given us. And we've got some great armor. I like the story about a teacher who injured his back and had to wear a plastic cast around the upper body the upper part of his body to fit under his shirt and wasn't noticeable at all. On the first day of the term, with the cast still under his shirt, this teacher was assigned to the toughest and roughest and meanest students in school. But he walked confidently into the rowdy classroom, opened a window, and then got busy with his work. Soon a strong breeze made his tie flap. That's when the teacher picked up the stapler from his desk and stapled his tie to his chest. He had no problem with dif discipline that whole term. See, the teacher had invisible armor, but so do we. Now, that story makes us laugh because them poor boys that were going to cause all the trouble in the world didn't know if they wanted to mess with the dude that was going to put a staple into his chest. They didn't know what was underneath his shirt. But as, as that is an illustration... We have an armor of God that is even better than that plastic cast. Verse 14, stand, there, ha stand therefore having girded your waist with truth. And I'm going to stop right there for, for a little bit. I find it very, very interesting. The very first thing that he mentions 
is truth. So what does the belt of truth have to do with our armor? Is that belt going to you know, protect anybody from a fiery dart when you look at it in that way? And strictly, you know, some might say the belt is not really part of the armor. But if I understand it right, you cannot put the rest of the armor on unless the belt is on first so the rest of the armor fits. The garments underneath must be gathered together. The Roman soldiers always wore a tunic, an outer garment that served as his primary clothing. It was usually made of a large square piece of material with holes cut out of it for the head and arms. Ordinarily, it draped loosely over most of the soldier's body. Since the greatest part of ancient combat was hand-to-hand, -hand, a loose tunic was potentially a hindrance and even a danger. Before a battle, it was therefore carefully cinched up and tucked into a heavy leather belt that girded the soldier's loins. And I read that to give us an idea. When Paul says, you have to put on that belt of truth, you say, well, well whoop-dee-ding. What good's a belt do? No, it had a specific purpose. That's the very first thing a soldier did. When he was sitting around home, he may take that belt off. But when he went out to, to fight, he had to have some kind of a new belt. So his essential part of his equipment to keep his clothes and his uh, garments in place. Because without that belt, heavy leather belt, it restricted his movement. So what kind of a good soldier was he if he couldn't even move? If he was stuck stumbling and fumbling, he could have the greatest shield and the greatest arrows and the greatest bow ever designed back in the time or whatever you want to name. But without that belt on, he was pretty much worthless laying on the ground wondering when he was going to trip over his garments for the third time. So I do absolutely love the fact that Paul states truth. And I find it so intriguing today that we must know the truth. The scripture is our truth. See, so the, so the equipment that Paul is stating here on a spiritual sense, he says truth is very, very, very important because the devil will attack us with lies. The devil will, he doesn't care. He will bombard us with whatever it takes. He will lie to you. And if you don't know the truth, will you know his lies? Will you know what truth is? John 14, 6 8, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Be diligent to present yourself approved to the God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. We must know the truth, we must understand the truth, and we must live out and love the truth. And the truth is God's holy word. That's the truth. That should be the very basics and the very basis of our Christianity. The very, the very building blocks. And that's why I think he mentioned this first. I would have said, hey, you dude, you need a big shield. That's what you need. If you're going to go out to war, you better have a big shield and a good gun. That's the two things I'm taking along. But no, he says you need truth. Because spiritually speaking, 
You can stand there with a shield and try to deflect the darts that come from the devil and all his lies, but unless we absolutely know the truth and what God has done for us, we're only just kind of halfway out there. The unfortunate part about truth is people want to water it down today. People want God's word to align with their lives instead of aligning their lives with God's word. And I think that breaks the very heart of God. Because when people want God's word to align with what they want to do, instead of aligning their life with God's word, they come out of a very bad place. Unfortunately, we have churches today that think the only way to move forward, to increase their attendance, to absolutely become something in society, they don't need to preach the truth anymore. They don't need to, to call the truth the truth. We can water it down. We can throw part of it away. We can live what we want to live and, and we're all good because then everybody feels good before they walk out of church today. Folks, that's wrong. That is wrong. There's no two ways about it. The truth of God's word must be upheld if we are going to win this battle. If we do not uphold the word, truth of God's word and live that out in a real practical sense, we are going to fail. I don't care what kind of shield you do have. The truth will set us free. Guarding ourselves or girding ourselves with God's truth, as Paul states it here, making it part of our life, will not prevent the devil's attacks. But they will keep it from destroying us. You see, I believe even if we know the truth, have the truth, live the truth, the devil will still try to attack us. He will still try to detour us. He will still try to make us stumble. It will not destroy us if we live the truth. See, I believe that the truth is the basic need as Christians so we can walk in righteousness. As we look at righteousness, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, what is righteousness? Righteousness is not earned. There's nothing you can do to be righteous. There is something you can do, and that is give your life to Jesus Christ and what he did on Calvary. But if we fight with our own righteousness, we are going to fail. Righteousness is received by faith in Jesus Christ. Philippians 3.9, Paul states, Through faith in Jesus Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. I believe that is why it is stated as the breastplate of righteousness. And if I understand the breastplate that these guys would have wore is a soldier was covered from torso, from the neck to below the waist, front and back, and it was made of metal. Some kind of shaped plates, uh, some said chain link, something or other. Some metal plates in there to protect your vital organs. Because see, the devil, as he continues to work, 
will continue to accuse you of things. He has no problem to bring up past issues. He has no problem to bring up past sins just to make you depressed. Even though you've laid them under the blood of Jesus Christ, and even though you've confessed them, and even though you've made everything right, he still will come back. And he'll say, do you remember that way back then? Do you remember what you did? You're a pile of worthless nothing. Not true. But I believe that's why we need the breastplate of righteousness. And that righteousness is the righteousness that Jesus Christ gave us on the cross to protect us, to protect our heart against what the devil will do. See, God convicts us in love. Satan accuses us in hatred. God convicts us of present sin. Satan only brings up the past. God convicts us using the word of God. Satan uses feelings. God convicts us, drawing us closer to him. Satan's guilt moves us away from God. God's conviction leads to devotion. Satan's guilt leads to depression. God helps us look ahead in hope. Satan makes us look back and give up. And I bring that up because I believe that, yes, if there's issues in our, our life, we have to take care of them. I'm not saying we don't. But I do believe there are things in our life, and there are problems that are vital areas of our life, our emotions, our priorities, our attitudes, or our actions, or anything else, that can keep us from properly using the breastplate of righteousness. It leaves a little hole there, something of an attitude, of an action, of an emotion, of something in our heart that we have not truly committed to Jesus Christ. And it lets us vulnerable so that the devil can come in in that tiny little place in our life and just try to destroy us. We have to daily fight to keep that breastplate of righteousness. We have to keep it there, but to make it really work in the way it should. The best part about it is when Jesus died on the cross, that breastplate of righteousness, that protection that he has given us, he did the work. But I do believe we have to dress ourselves in righteousness by Christ daily in obedience to his word if we're going to continue to walk with him. There's a fine line there, and I don't want to confuse or cross it. But I do feel like we have to understand that Jesus Christ gives us that righteousness. And yet we're going to have to daily walk with him. Because the moment that we allow sin to harbor in our life, that, that righteousness, if I can say it that way, or the breastplate is slightly opened for the devil to sneak in there. And he'll do it through, like I just mentioned, any way he can. He will use depression. He will use just frustrations of life. He will use anything he possibly can to bring you down. He doesn't care. He doesn't care if it's money, lack of money, too much money. He doesn't care if it's attitudes he doesn't care what it is it can even be going to church on sunday for the wrong reason it can be doing good things giving all your money to the poor for the wrong reason he just wants you to fall so i'm going to encourage us today that we pick up truth first and we put that breastplate of righteousness on to help us protect our hearts for the kingdom of god and as we prepare for battle, if I can say it that way, 
and, and, and go into um, our daily spiritual lives. This is a daily fight. You know, some people think we can just do one thing, the light switch will be turned, and we will never have another problem in our life. That ain't true. And that's exactly why I think we need this armor, and I think that's exactly why we have to prepare in our hearts what we are going to do so we can stand. So I'm going to encourage us today to prepare your hearts before God in truth so you can stand. We spend a lot of time preparing for other things. What have you done, spiritually speaking, to prepare yourself? How well do you even know the truth? How well have you lived out the truth so you can prepare whatever may come your way? May God bless you.